2 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 1, Now we beseech you, brethren, by the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, and by our gathering together unto him, that you be not soon shaken in mind, or be troubled neither by spirit, nor by word, nor by letter as from us, as that the day of Christ is at hand. Let no man deceive you by any means, for that day shall not come, except there come a falling away first, and that man of sin be revealed, the son of perdition, who opposeth and exalteth himself above all that is called God, or that is worshipped, so that he as God sitteth in the temple of God, showing himself that he is God. Remember ye not that when I was yet with you I told you these things? And now ye know what withholdeth, that he might be revealed in his time. For the mystery of iniquity doth already work, only he who now letteth will let, until he be taken out of the way. And then shall that wicked be revealed, whom the Lord shall consume with the spirit of his mouth, and shall destroy with the brightness of his coming, even him whose coming is after the working of Satan with all power and signs and lying wonders, and with all deceivableness of unrighteousness in them that perish, because they receive not the love of the truth that they might be saved. And for this cause God shall send them strong delusion that they should believe a lie, that they all might be damned who believed not the truth, but had pleasure in unrighteousness." As I view the situation both in our nation and around the world, I cannot help but believe, folks, that the end of this present age is not just near, but I believe it is upon us. I believe that if the Lord wanted to, He could come back at any moment. And I shared this with the Sunday school class a little bit this morning, but I understand that in Australia, many people right now are facing loss of jobs, they're facing loss of income because they don't wish to submit to a mandatory inoculation of a quote-unquote vaccine that at best is still in the experimental stage. That same scene is threatening many jobs here in our nation. I told the class, I said, we are rapidly, as Americans, losing the freedoms that we once cherished. Amen. And I'm going to give you my opinion. I hope my opinion, you know, my opinion's worth whatever value you place on it. My opinion of the dollar might get you a cup of coffee at McDonald's. I don't know if they've raised the price or not. But folks, I personally believe that the things that are taking place right now are sort of a dress rehearsal. They're sort of a dry run, a test for what's coming, a universal government and a universal financial system. There are people in place right now in fact, there are many people who want to see a universal financial system, a one-world government, and one-world religion. And I believe it could well be, and I could be wrong, and I realize that, I believe it could well be that one of the motivating factors in this might be a worldwide pandemic. And people suddenly say, we need to come together to solve this problem. I personally believe that the current situation is to see who will go along with it and who won't go along with it. And we as God's people need to take our stand in and on the Word of God. Over in the ninth chapter of Daniel, the 24th verse, God told Daniel this, 70 weeks are determined upon my people and upon my holy city. 69 of those weeks have passed. Now when he talks about weeks, he's talking about weeks of years. 77 year periods were determined upon the people of Israel, and 69 of those seven-year periods have taken place. There's only one seven-year period left to take place, and you know what that period is called in the Bible? It's called the tribulation. 
There's a seven-year tribulation coming to this world. Now, in that 70th week, God tells Daniel what he's going to do. He'll finish the transgression. He'll make an end to sins. He will make reconciliation for iniquity. He will bring in everlasting righteousness. He will seal up the vision, and it will be to anoint the most holy and I believe that is a reference to the millennial reign of the Lord Jesus Christ when he reigns upon this earth for 1,000 years. But all of this includes also what Jesus did on the cross. It includes his sacrifice. It includes his payment for sin. And again, all of the scope of the future. So God's giving Daniel a glimpse into the end of the world. And we can go into the book of Daniel and we can get that very same glimpse that Daniel got. Now, here's the key to all of this. If the end of the age is near, if the coming of Christ is upon us, folks, God's people need to be warned, and God's people need to be instructed, and God's people need to be encouraged. Listen, things are not going to get easier for God's people in this world as this world gives itself over more and more to Satan through the man of sin. One of the coming events is that appearance of Satan's Superman, the Antichrist, the man of sin. We're going to talk about him a little bit in this message. He's called many times in the Word of God the beast. He's called the man of sin. He's called the son of perdition. He's called the wicked one. He will be Satan incarnate. He will be Satan in human flesh. And if the rapture is upon us, if we're close to the coming of Christ, he is alive in this world today. Not only is he alive in this world, folks, he is being prepped. He is being prepared to come on the scene. And you know what's happening? If the Antichrist is alive, if he's being prepared to come on the scene, most of God's people are going through their day living life as usual. Getting up in the morning, going to work, going about the things that we do as Jesus said and talking about the days of Noah, eating and drinking and marrying and giving in marriage and just involved in our daily routine and many times without getting up in the morning and thinking this could be the day that the Lord returns. You say, well, I don't see. Here's, here's the thought that I've had many times that many of God's people have toward the return of Christ. Well, I believe in it, but we sort of, it's sort of a fantasy to us. Or it's somewhere out there in the future. Jesus is going to come back someday, but it'll be long after I'm dead and gone. And, and so I don't really have to worry about that. No, I believe that Jesus Christ could return today. Jesus said in Matthew 24, he said, For in such an hour as you think not, the Son of Man cometh. See, what he was saying is, here's what we're going to be doing, going through life. It's just life as usual. How many times do we... Well, let's, let's just use this example. The baseball season is coming to an end. And there'll be many people who have this attitude. Well, next year, as if we may have a next year, we'll do better. Or a holiday passes and we we'll say, well, next year, here's what we're going to do for Thanksgiving. Or next year, here's what we, as if we have next year. What did James say in the book of James that we ought to say? If the Lord wills. I'll do this tomorrow. If the Lord wills, I'll do that tomorrow. Because Jesus could come back or the Lord could just call us home. But the door is being opened. 
The stage is being set. Men's minds and men's hearts are being prepared for the coming of the Antichrist. Here's why it's so important to know this. Because if there is someone that you care for greatly, some friend, some family member, some neighbor, some co-worker, and you care for them greatly, there needs to be a sense of urgency in witnessing to them about the saving power of Jesus Christ if they don't know him as Savior, folks. Verse 6 of our text Back here in 2 Thessalonians chapter 2. Seems to say there's a divine timeline to all of this. And now you know what withholdeth that he might be revealed in his time. So in these verses we find five events that are going to take place at the end of the age. We see five things that are going to happen with and surrounding the coming of Christ. And the first thing is that the mystery of iniquity is restrained. The mystery of iniquity is restrained. See, the mystery of iniquity, verse 7 says, already works. What is the mystery of iniquity? It is the working and it is the presence of sin in our world. We understand that sin is present in our world. We understand that Satan is active. That word work has the idea of effectually and actively working. And Satan is working very hard in our world today. He's working to turn men's minds away from God and away from the Lord Jesus Christ. He's working very hard to turn the minds of the saved away from God and away from Jesus Christ. If you don't believe that, just look around you. We may have a whole lot of members, but we don't have a whole lot of members that love the Lord enough to show up at his house on a Sunday morning and meet with his people on Sunday morning and worship him in spirit and in truth. And fewer do it on Sunday night and fewer on Wednesday night. Satan's actively working in our world today. 1 John chapter 2, verse 18, the apostle John said in that letter, he said the Antichrist is already at work in this world. We see it in the denial of the Lord Jesus Christ among the lost. There's so many people today who want to say, well, I'm agnostic, I'm an atheist, and so I don't believe in God. There's so many people that say, well, there may be a God, but I'm not worried about it. And there's just a denial of God and of the Lord Jesus. I mentioned this, but I'll say it again. We see it in the unfaithfulness of God's people toward his churches. You say, Pre and I know I'm cutting my own throat. Okay? Because every time I mention faithfulness to these services and Sunday morning message, what happens on Sunday night, God's people prove to me they don't have to come. I hope you'll be back tonight. That's not a threat. That's a plea. All right? We see it in the desire of so many people, again, to want this universal religion, this universal government, this universal economy. And then we see it in the devilish crime that is taking place in our world and in our cities. Life doesn't mean anything to a lot of people anymore. They just as soon cut your throat or shoot you to get your pair of tennis shoes as anything. We see it in... The, the rape and, and the perversion and the pornography that goes on in our world. I was told just earlier that the Congress of the United States voted this week to approve abortion just at any stage. From conception all the way to the time the baby is born. And that's about the equivalent of taking a newborn baby and just bashing his head against a rock. I, you say, that sounds terrible. Well, that's about what it is. Don't mess with the children, all right? Ever since Lucifer fell, he's imitated God. And he's tried to corrupt the worship and the service of God. 
And as Satan, he is especially active in these last days. I believe that many under the sound of my voice this morning have suffered assaults and attacks from Satan very recently. I believe that this church has suffered the attacks and the assaults of Satan and he has used people to do that. And so we've seen Satan and we've seen the presence of sin. But I want to talk to you for a moment about the power of the Holy Spirit too. The scripture says, only he who now letteth will let until he be taken out of the way. That word let, see today let means to allow, doesn't it? Well, let in Old English, and that's what the King James is, let in Old English meant to put a stop to, to halt, to hold back, okay? And so that's what let means, to restrain. And when he talks about he who now letteth, he's talking about the Holy Spirit, and he's talking about Holy Spirit being the great restrainer of this age. You know what the Holy Spirit does? He helps saints and he hinders Satan. That's what the Holy Spirit does. To the saved, he is an encourager. To Satan, he is an inhibitor. And he is inhibiting Satan and evil right now. You know why Satan is not able to accomplish what he wants to accomplish in this world and his evil plan right now because the Holy Spirit is restraining him. Amen. You say, how does that work? Well, Job is an example, I believe. When Satan wanted to come against Job and attack Job, God said, okay, you can attack him, but you're going to attack him within these parameters. You can attack his possessions. and Then he said, you can attack his health, but you can't kill him. And so Satan is restrained by the power of God and by the power of the Holy Spirit. Satan does not have all power. God has all power. And a present part of the ministry of the Holy Spirit in this world is that restraining of Satan. But not only is the mystery of iniquity restrained, the ministry of the Holy Spirit is going to be one of these days removed. You look at verses 6 and 7 of our text, and verses 6 and 7 in our text name both a who and a what, or a what and a who, however you want to say it, that are currently at work in the world. Something and someone who are currently fighting against evil in this world. First of all, he says, and you know what withholdeth. You know what withholdeth. That word withhold means to hold down. It means to restrain. There is something in this world that currently restrains Satan in the world. And you know what it is? It's named here as the Lord's churches. The Lord's churches. Do you realize that the Lord's churches are the glue that's holding this thing together, folks? God is using us. He's using us to speak against evil. He's using us to witness of the Lord Jesus Christ. He's using us to try to turn men to Christ so that their lives are turned from evil and turned to the Lord. Well, what do you see today? As the Lord's churches grow fewer in number and as the Lord's churches grow weaker, we see more crime and we see more evil and we see more perversion and more violence. Matthew chapter 5 verses 14 through 16, Jesus said that we are the light of the world. We're the light of the world. And he said this, he said, you don't light a candle and then put a cover over it. But I'm afraid God's people and Lord's churches today have lit their candles, but they've got covers over them in the world today. He said, a city that is set on a hill cannot be hid. We've had the privilege of being in the Holy Land, and every time I think of that verse, I think of the city of Tiberias that overlooks the Sea of Galilee, and at night you can just look out, and there's all the lights of the city of Tiberias. It's not hidden. It's right there. 
And so I think of the Lord's churches. We're to be lights. We're not to be hidden. We're to come in here and to worship the Lord, yes, in spirit and in truth. But when we go out that door, folks, we're not to put a cover over our lamps. I'm going to buy a new flashlight, but I'm not going to put any batteries in it. It'll be real good, right? No, it won't be worth anything. But that's what we're doing as the Lord's churches. Above the door, as you exit this morning, any door that exits, there's a sign. You're now entering the mission field. Philippians chapter 2, verse 15. You know what the Apostle Paul said about the Lord's churches? That we are lights, are lighthouses to a crooked and perverse nation. There's a reason I asked Joni to sing that song about the lighthouse because it talks about what we are supposed to be. Do we live in a crooked and perverse nation? We really do. I love America, but we're crooked and we're perverse. And our nation, just like a ship that's out on the sea, nearing rocks and reefs and dangerous cliffs, needs a lighthouse that says, hey, don't go that way. Avoid that. That's what we need to be doing as the Lord's churches. Look at this, Matthew chapter 5, verse 13. Jesus said this, he said, Ye are the salt of the earth, talking to God's people. Now, he didn't say you're like the salt of the earth, did he? He said, you are the salt of the earth. Well, what does salt do? Well, salt flavors, doesn't it? See, we're to give a flavoring to this world. Not only does salt flavor, it purifies. Salt heals. There in the Dead Sea, years ago when we were there, because of the saltiness and the minerals of the Dead Sea, there were spas for healing of various skin diseases and skin rashes, and the salt heals. Salt preserves. But here's something else salt does. Salt irritates. You get a cut and you get a little bit of salt in it, you'll see what I mean. Salt irritates. And one more thing that salt does. You know what salt does? Just think about a big old bag of popcorn. Made you hungry right now, didn't it? Big old bag of popcorn. Salt to make you thirsty. Salt creates thirst. You know what we're supposed to do as a church of the Lord Jesus Christ and as God's people? We are to create a thirst for Christ in this world today. And so Jesus said, we are the salt of the earth. Now the world wants the Lord's churches out of here, especially when they want legislation that would favor booze or abortion or gambling or drugs or perversion. They say, we don't need them. We want them out of here. You know why? Because we impede their progress. If we'll speak up, if we'll be vocal, they wish we were gone. Well, guess what? One of these days they're going to get their wish. One of these days, they're going to get their wish and we are going to be removed. But when that happens, there will be a flood of sin and lawlessness up on this earth such as the world has never seen and such as you cannot imagine. Amen. Here's a warning for the Lord's churches. Jesus said, when the salt has lost its saltiness, it's not good for anything but to be thrown out on the footpath and walked on by men. And I'm afraid many, many churches today wanting to attract the world, wanting to please the world, have lost their savor, have lost their saltiness. That's the what that's restraining. Here's the who. That's the other restraining force. And that who is the Holy Spirit. We've already talked about him a little bit. That's a part of his ministry. But one of these days, God the Father is going to say, 
it's time. And when he says it's time, the Holy Spirit in his ministry of restraining evil is going to be pulled back. Now you take the Lord's churches and you take the Holy Spirit out of this world. Folks, I wouldn't want to be in this world when that happens. Amen. When churches are gone and when the Holy Spirit in that ministry is pulled back and man is left to his sinful nature, this world will see just how evil people can be. I think today all you have to do is go to some, maybe not even major city in our nation today and see people who have never heard of God, never heard of Christ, never been in church, never had any kind of spiritual instruction in their lives and just watch how they live. And you can see the evil nature of mankind. Men have always, from the very beginning, just about wanted Satan to be their God. And one of these days, God's going to say, okay, you can have him. But I tell you what, Satan is a very hard taskmaster. So the mystery of iniquity is restrained. And then the ministry of the Spirit is removed. When that happens, the mastery of Satan will be released. You look back to verses 9 and 10 that we read. When the restraining forces are removed, Satan is free to work. Satan has just turned loose to work in this world and hell will have a holiday on earth when that happens. Amen. There's two things that it talks about when we talk about the mastery of Satan being released. Number one is Satan's master plan. What is Satan's master plan? Well, if you go over to the book of Isaiah, the book of Isaiah chapter 14, beginning in verse 12, you see what the desire of Lucifer, now Satan, always has been. Isaiah chapter 14, verse 12. How art thou fallen from heaven, O Lucifer, son of the morning? How art thou cut down to the ground which didst weaken the nations? For thou hast said in thine heart, I will ascend into heaven. I will exalt my throne above the stars of God. I will sit also upon the mount of the congregation in the sides of the north. I will ascend above the heights of the clouds. I will be like the most high. You know what Lucifer's desire, what Satan's desire is? To be equal with God. That was his, he had eye trouble. He said, I'm going to do this and I'm going to do this and I'm going to do this and I'll be equal with God. God cast him. Jesus said in the book of Luke, the 10th chapter, the 18th verse, I beheld Satan fall as lightning from heaven. God cast him out of heaven. He became the devil. A third of the angels, we're told, in the book of Revelation, rebelled with him and they were cast down with him. And so we have Satan and we have his demons today. But Satan is an imitator. Satan's an imitator. And in order to deceive men, he imitates God. See, God has God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. We refer to that as the divine trinity, the holy trinity, the trinity, the Godhead, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. Well, Satan has the unholy trinity. In Revelation chapter 12, verse 3, it talks about the dragon. You know who the dragon is? Well, that is the anti-God, that is Satan himself. Revelation 11, 7 talks about the beast. That's the Antichrist. The Antichrist is Satan's equivalent of the Lord Jesus. And then Revelation 13, 15 talks about the false prophet who is the anti-spirit. And what the false prophet does is he gets people to worship the dragon through the beast. See, we come and we gather together and we worship God through the Spirit, through Jesus Christ, we worship God. 
unto him, unto God be glory in the church by Christ Jesus throughout all ages, world without end. So as the Holy Spirit directs our hearts in a service like this, as we sing these songs that we sang just a few minutes ago, the Holy Spirit is directing our hearts to give praise to God, but we give praise to God through Jesus. Well, the false prophet will encourage people, and he'll be able to do miracles, he'll be able to do a lot of things, but he'll encourage people to worship Satan through the Antichrist, through the beast. So there's Satan's master plan to receive the worship of men, but he has a master person also. He has a master plan, he has a master person. He is described in verses 9 and 10 of our text. And look at what it says about him. Even him whose coming is after the working of Satan with all, listen to this, all power and signs and lying wonders and with all deceivableness of unrighteousness in them that perish because they receive not the love of the truth that they might be saved. In fact, he says he sets himself up in the temple of God to be worshiped as God. This world, by the way, he comes, Daniel 8.25 says he comes on a platform of peace. Says by peace he will deceive many. First Thessalonians chapter five verse three says, For when they shall say peace and safety, then sudden destruction cometh upon them as travail upon a woman with child, and they shall not escape. The Antichrist will come on a platform of peace. We're going to solve all these problems. We'll take care of your family. You know, I've learned that especially in America, if a politician will promise to put money in people's pockets, it doesn't matter what else he says, he'll get elected. Lucy and Charlie Brown, or maybe it was Peppermint Patty and Charlie Brown was talking, said, do all fairy tales begin with once upon a time? And maybe it was Linus said, no, some of them begin with, if I'm elected, I promise to. But the Antichrist would come on a platform of peace, promising to solve all problems, and the world will sell out to him. The world will sell out to a one-world government, and to a one-world religion, and to a one-world economic system, and he comes in great power, again with all power and signs and lying wonders. Wonders talks about supernatural miracles. Lying wonders that are designed in and born out of falsehood, and they convince people that he is God when he is not. You know what? People are being prepared today to receive the miracles, so-called, of the Antichrist. Now, will the Antichrist miracles be real miracles? Well, we were talking about Pharaoh in Sunday school this morning, and his magicians could do some of the things that Moses did, but they were false. But people are being prepared to receive the miracles, even in some Baptist churches, the miracles of the Antichrist today. Because everything's a miracle. Let me ask you this, is birth a miracle? No. It is the normal, natural way that God has designed for children to come into this world. Is salvation a miracle? No. It is the normal, natural way that God has designed for people to be saved. Somebody will have a bad accident. And somebody said, oh, it was a miracle that they weren't killed. No, God just protected them. Our dad fell 35 feet from a pole. A nurse told him in the hospital, you were lucky. He said, no, God took care of me. But we're told everything's a miracle. If I can't explain it, if I don't know how it happened, it is a miracle today, and people are told to expect their miracle. Well, the Antichrist is going to be a miracle worker, or appear to be a miracle worker, but he does it with satanic power. See, Lucifer was just an angel. He may have been an archangel, but he was just an angel. But how much power does an angel have? 
I don't know for sure, but I tell you what, Wayne Joe rolled a stone away from the tomb. I don't think I could have done that. Angels have some power. And the Antichrist comes with all signs and all power and all lying wonders. He will have great ability and he'll have the ability to deceive all deceivableness of unrighteousness. Talks about every kind of evil deception he will be using. And again, those who are left on earth after the rapture of the saved. I don't know when you're going out. See, there's a lot of discussion about when the rapture will take place, the beginning of tribulation and the miracle at the end. I'm going first, folks. Amen. You can go in the middle if you want to. You can go in the end if you want to, but I'm going first. <laughs> right? Because I don't want to be around to see any of this kind of stuff. But those who are left on earth after the resurrection and the rapture will readily accept him and he will be the answer to all of their desires for a while. The Antichrist will be a very appealing leader. He will have great natural ability. He will have an authenticity about him, though it's a satanic, a false authenticity, but it's an authenticity that's accepted. He will be, again, surrounded by miracles, but he will hide the truth and be full of deception. That's Satan's Superman. Now, after he's revealed, the mastery of Satan is revealed, what happens next is the misery of man is redoubled, folks. The misery of man is redoubled. We talk about deception. There'll be two sources. We talk about the Antichrist and his power to deceive. But not only will he be able to deceive, you look at verse 11, and it says, And for this cause God shall send them strong delusion that they shall believe a lie. Now listen, no true believer will ever be deceived by the Antichrist. When COVID started, I had people questioning, asking me, what is this? You know, what is this? How's all this taking place? Today with their vaccine, I hear people, was this the, the mark of the beast? And the beast is not in ruling that we know of in the world yet. And I think we would be gone if he was. I haven't seen somebody come on the scene and make a seven-year deal with Israel yet. And I don't know if you could hide that from the news media if that happened. So no, the Antichrist... The beast is not ruling yet. But no true believer will be deceived by the Antichrist. Only people who are lost. Well, why would God send people strong delusion? The scripture says God will send them strong delusion that they should believe a lie. Now, Lord, why would you do that? God, why would you do that? Well, you look back to verses 10 and 12, and it tells us three reasons people would be deluded. Number one, that they might believe a lie. See, what the scripture tells us is these who are left behind rejected the truth. They may have come to a service like this. They may have heard a message preached where if you don't know Jesus Christ as Savior, you need to be saved. You need to be saved right now. You need to be saved today. And they say, oh, I don't think so. And they just blew it off and they went on about their way, never gave thought again to accepting Christ as Savior. And so they were left on this earth. But I tell you what, you know what you have when you reject the truth? You know what's left? To receive a lie. Well, you got your choice. You can believe the truth or you can believe a lie. And Satan is working to get people to believe lies today. But that's all that's left when you reject God and reject the truth. And then he said that they might be damned. That means condemned. That means judged. Because they have rejected Christ, they're already condemned. John chapter 3 verse 18. He that believeth on the same man is not condemned, but he that believeth not 
is condemned already. It's not that one day God's going to say, well, let's see who's lost and who's saved, and we've got to figure all this out. No, that person that doesn't know Christ the Savior is already judged, worthy, and condemned to hell. Now, they can change that by accepting Christ as Savior. And then the third reason, because they rejected God's love. They received not the love of the truth. God loves everybody. God loves every lost person. You say, well, what about the homosexuals? God loves them. He doesn't love their sin, but he loves them. What about the abortionists? God loves them. He doesn't love what they do, but he loves them. What about the guy that's on drugs or the guy that's drunk in the gutter? God loves him. Doesn't love what he does. But God loves him. And God is extending that love through messages like this, through personal witnessing by you and me. God is extending that love. And when somebody says, I don't want the love of God, they're just reserving their position in this time that the scripture is talking about. And a consequence of rejecting God's truth again is that men will believe anything. And do you know that if the rapture were to occur right now, whoever doesn't know Christ as Savior would be willing to receive and believe the lie of the Antichrist. That's how serious this is. And then there will be damnation that they might all be damned, the scripture says. Those who do not love the truth, those who will not accept Jesus Christ as Savior will miss the rapture and they must endure the time of tribulation. The first six verses of the ninth chapter of Revelation, we're not going to take the time to read them, but you read them for yourself. And you, it describes some of the things that are going to go on. And then it says toward the end of those six verses that in that day men will desire death and death will flee from them. They'll want to die. And God will say, you can't die. Because see, God holds life and death in his hands. Men will want to get out of that situation and God will say, no. So I believe, again, if somebody hears the gospel today and immediately rejects Christ and then the rapture occurs, they'll have no more opportunity to be saved. Lanny Wolf wrote a song years ago. and It's a beautiful song called One Day Too Late. I never thought that I would see the church house filled to capacity. And it goes on and it finally says, you came one day too late. Jesus has come. The saved have gone. You know, I get to wondering about what people are going to do when they come up here. On, I don't know who it's going to be. Hopefully it's not any of you. They come up here on a Sunday morning and decide they might ought to go to church. And the doors are locked and the lights are out. And there's no cars in the parking lot. And they realize it's too late. Believers are not going to be here during that time. How do you know that preacher? Go back to verse 1 of chapter 2. Now we beseech you, brethren, by the coming of our Lord Jesus and by our gathering together unto him. Somewhere in relation to the appearance of the Antichrist before, during, or after, immediately we're going to be taken out of here. And here's the fifth thing these verses talk about. The majesty of Jesus is revealed. Whom the Lord shall consume with the spirit of his mouth. Whom refers to the man of sin. The Lord is just going to consume him with the spirit of his mouth. The scripture says. You say, what's the spirit of his mouth? What is the word of God? Ephesians chapter 6 verse 17 says, Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. Revelation chapter 19, verse 21. 
Well, Hebrews chapter 4, verse 12 first. Hebrews chapter 4, verse 12 says that the Word of God is quick and sharper than any two-edged sword. Over in Revelation chapter 19, Revelation 19 and verse 21, the Word of God says this, And the remnant were slain with the sword of him that sat upon the horse, which sword proceedeth out of his mouth. All Jesus has to do is speak the Word. And the Antichrist... The false prophet, those who rejected Christ will be consumed by the spirit of his mouth. The coming of Christ is in two stages. You realize that. He comes first for his saints. That's at the beginning of the tribulation. At the end, he comes with his saints. Amen. Riding a white horse. Read Revelation chapter 19. And when he comes, he fights. About, you know, I'm going to, I never, and I say this with all honesty, I never was privileged to be in the military. I've told you I was draftable in Vietnam time. And I said, well, they're going to have to come get me if they want me. And they're going to have to draft me. And they never did. And so I missed that. But I missed, I think, a lot of advantage also. But I'm going to get to be in an army one of these days. But it's an army that doesn't have to fight. It's an army that follows their leader. And he's going to speak. And he's going to destroy the enemy. He will destroy Satan's man with the brightness of his coming. That's literally the shining of his presence. It's going to be swift just like lightning. He's going to come sweetly like bridegroom. And he's going to come sovereignly to rule and to reign upon this earth. And we ought to rejoice in that. Amen. There's the coming of the Lord, but there's also, and we're going to wrap up now, the crowning of the Lord. He will be revealed in all of his glory. In all of his glory. I, we're going to see that thing that Philippians chapter 2, verses 10 and 11 talk about that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow of things in heaven and things in earth and things under the earth, and that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Those people that we talk to today who say they don't believe in God, who reject Jesus, you know what? One of these days they're going to bow before him and they're going to say he's Lord. Amen. They're going to say he's Lord. He deserves to be. He is. I recognize him as such. And Revelation chapter 20 tells us that all, now those of us who are saved are going to stand before the judgment seat of Christ to give an account for our life. All of those who are lost, Revelation 20 says, will stand before the great white throne judgment of God. And Jesus, I think, gives us a glimpse of that in the seventh chapter of the book of Matthew when he said that some will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, didn't we preach in your name and cast out demons in your name and do many wonderful works in your name? Lord, I was religious. And Jesus will say, depart from me. I never knew you. That word know means have a close personal relationship. I never knew you, ye that work iniquity. Somebody put on Facebook, and I think it was appropriate to put on there, people are so afraid of COVID today. There's something to be more afraid of, and that is hearing those words, depart from me. I never knew you. When Christ's majesty is revealed, folks, sin will not be able to stand before him. You know, after God had shown John all of the things that are in the book of Revelation, how did John close out that book? Even so, come, Lord Jesus. As you and I look around us today, I believe, I, sadly, I'll say this, I believe some saved folks are just so enamored with this world, so in love with this world today that 
their response might be, now, Lord, wait a minute. I'm not too enjoying this world, this earth right now. But our response ought to be, even so, come, Lord Jesus. We look at our world. We look at our nation, folks, and we must realize. I, I don't see how you can't realize that the only way for things to get better in this world is for Jesus Christ to come back and ultimately set up his millennial reign upon this earth. I think one of the problems people many times have is that they enjoy things on this earth so much and they appeal to the flesh so much, they wonder how in the world. They think about, they've bought into this thing about, well, you know, in heaven you're going to sit on a cloud and strum a harp for the rest of eternity. That's not going to happen. But I believe people have fallen into that to think, well, you know, and maybe it's because they're so earthly minded that they think heaven's going to be boring. All eternity in the presence of God. All eternity in the presence of Jesus. But get this. With the rapture and the resurrection, you know what? We're going to get bodies that will be fit for heaven. And we're going to get our minds changed. We get a glorified body. We get a pure mind. And whatever the Lord has for us to do for eternity, we're going to love it. It's going to be thrilling. And we'll love being in the presence of the Lord. Some say folks don't want to be in his presence. Don't come to church. How are they going to love being in his presence for eternity? Well, they'll get their minds fixed right then. If you're saved, and I believe I'm speaking to people who, for the most part, I believe everybody that I'm speaking to is saved. But if you're saved, live for the Lord. Enjoy his presence and worship and serve him in this life, and you'll be ready to be in his presence for eternity. Amen. And if you're unsaved, this is your opportunity and this is your warning. Accept Jesus Christ now, this moment, today. Because you see, you may not get another chance. And if you reject Christ today and the Lord comes tonight, you say, you don't think he will preach. I don't know, he could. If you reject him today and the Lord comes tonight, you're gonna to be given over to lies, to delusion, and to loyalty to the Antichrist. And when one day here, depart from me.